morning, everybody. How many of you guys like the time change stuff, or how many hate it? Actually, show of hands. Who hates the time change? I know, right? Although it's going to be lighter later now. That's pretty awesome. It won't be like 4 o'clock and midnight, so. Hey, uh, we're going to start a little bit different today. We're going to do um, one of our favorite songs here called Reckless Love. But I wanted to give a little context to this song. Um, I think a lot of times we've seen these songs and we don't really know the context or where they're coming from. But one of the reasons we love singing this song, Reckless Love, so much is because it really connects to our mission statement here at Kensington. It really connects with the heart of our founding pastors. Dave Wilson being one of our founding pastors who leads this campus. And it's really the idea and the vision of saying, like, we are going to go after the one lost person. We will do whatever it takes to reach that person. But what's interesting is the character of who God is and the character of who Jesus is. Jesus came on this earth and he says not to reach the righteous, but to reach the lost. So who are those people? He always got mocked for hanging out with tax collectors, people who the, the world looked at as failures. And so what our mission here in this place is to, to make everybody hopefully feel welcome in this place. That you don't have to be perfect to come in this place, but you know that there's a God who thinks regardless of what you've done or who you are, or who people say you are, that God loves you and he takes you for that. And so I want to read from where this song comes from. It comes from the Bible. It comes from the book of Luke, which is an account of Jesus's his life. And as he's being kind of questioned and challenged by who he's hanging out with, this is what he says in response to them. He says, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and you lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness to go after the lost one until you found it? And when found, can you be sure that you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing? And when you got home, you would call your friends and your neighbors and saying, celebrate with me. I have found my lost sheep. And then he says, count on it. There is more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than 99 good people who don't need to be rescued. That's what we're about in this place, and that's what we know the character of God's about. So we want to sing a song right now called Reckless Love, and it's talking all about the character of God towards us, that he'll do whatever it takes to win each and every one of us for himself. And so if you want to join and sing with us, we love you too. If, if you want to sit, enjoy the moment, be a part of it with us, we are glad that you're here. If you're brand new with us, we are so glad you're here. Welcome to Kensington. Here we go. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathe your life in me. You have been so, so kind. No one sing it out. And oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves ninety-nine. And I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away.
your phone Still your love for me You've been so, so good to me When I found the worth When I found the worth You paid it all for me You've been so, so kind to me
experience a story that will unlock the imagination of your youth. Come and see where the predictable is startled and where miracles abound. A man appearing so ordinary, but with endless worth. He defied the logical and the practical, lived and died for the impossible, an expression of true love. In a death-defying act, a man who conquers all. Come and see the greatest show on earth. Well, as many of you know, Easter is in how many weeks? Three weeks. Almost two weeks. Three weeks. And some of you don't even know this is 1030 service, not the 845 service. How many actually overslept and think you're at the 845? No, it's a 1030. It's, a, it's one of those uh, spring forward things. So anyway, we've got Easter in three weeks. And you just watch that trailer and you're like, okay, where are you going with this one? I am so excited about this one. This is a three-act show, which starts in two weeks, Palm Sunday, and then Good Friday, and then Easter will be the third act. Now, I know everybody can't make all three of those. I hope you can, or at least watch them. Because here's what we're doing. If you've ever watched a magician work, you know that a magic trick has three parts. And there's really no magic. It's an illusion. But a good magician will act one or part one will show you something that looks ordinary, but you know it isn't. That's Palm Sunday. It looks like something ordinary has happened. A man's riding a donkey into a city. But there's so much loaded into that story. You're going to walk out here going, I had no idea that was what's really going on. And then the magician takes that bird or that, that card or whatever he showed you that you know is extraordinary, that looks ordinary, and he takes it away. That sound familiar with the Easter story? A man dies and he's gone and you think it's over. But then the illusionist brings back the third act, the third move, and you're like, oh my gosh, how did he bring him back to life? That's Easter Sunday, and let me tell you something. It's not a magic trick, and it's not an illusion. It's history, and if you don't believe that, come and find out all the facts that are loaded in there that go, this is the greatest show, and it wasn't just a show. It was historical fact on earth. So get your tickets now. I mean, they're $99.95 this weekend. They go up to $129 next weekend. I'm kidding. The people are laughing or people have been here before. They're free. We just want to make sure you have a spot in one of our 40 services and do not come alone. We're going to give you one of these invites on the way out. It has all the services, 40 some at all of our campuses and a bunch here. I think we have uh, eight here. So get a few of these and invite somebody to come. It's something you don't want to come to uh, by yourself. And then uh, in a couple of weeks, we kick off something that's really important at Kensington, and it's what we call Hope Water. It's where we run or bicycle or walk in, an, in the Detroit Marathon or half marathons or 5Ks, uh, not for ourselves, not because we love running, because we love people in Africa who need water. In fact, the phrase there, I've been there, is water is life. They die because there's no wells. And so we run, and each one of us raises money. I shared last week in the message that when I crossed the finish line in the Detroit Marathon two years ago, I was in tears, not because I was uh, struggling to get through the finish line after 23 miles. Actually, I ran the relay, so I only ran seven miles. But when I crossed it, I was in tears because I knew that I had raised $5,000. People gave to me running to, to put a well in Africa. We've done this now almost a decade. We've put 112 wells in Africa, two, 212,000 people. Lives have been saved because of you running and giving. Give that a hand. That is astounding. And we call it Hope Water. 
That's what it's called. And some of you have never ran or bicycle or walked, and you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to do that this year. I'm going to do the relay again. I'm going to do it again uh, in October, and, and it's just it's, it's incredible. And so that's how you, you sign up. There's actually going to be a kickoff at our Troy campus Saturday morning, March 24th, and you don't want to, be, you don't want to miss that. And if you're interested, go out to the lobby today. There's a table that says Hope Water. Get, get your questions answered. Get the flyer to give you all the details. But I'm hoping we have even, even more people sign up this year and make a difference in the world. All right, go ahead and stand up. Give somebody a high five and tell them you're glad they made it here to church on time. All right, so we are in week two of a series called what? It's all over the place. You've been looking at it. It's called Unstoppable Force, which is about what? Anybody remember last week? We kicked this off last week saying the term unstoppable force refers to the church. God's unstoppable force that he wants to use the church, which is not a building, but a bunch of people, a community of people to impact the world for the kingdom of God. And I tell you what, I don't know what your opinion has been growing up or even now of the church, but I grew up in a church that didn't do a whole lot. I don't know what your experience was, but here's what I thought as a kid growing up in church. And by the way, I said this last week, but uh, I was raised by a single mom, so we went to every denomination every year we switched. You guys remember me saying that last week? I mean, we were Methodist and Baptist and Episcopalian and Catholic, and I'm not kidding. And I never knew until I was in high school that she was trying to find a guy. She got into singles groups in every church. And But here's the thing. I experienced church in every denomination. And it was always sort of the same thing. Here's what I wrote down. I wrote, church was boring. Church was always led by a bald man, which I remember sitting there thinking, I will never, ever do that. You know, be a bald, boring pastor guy, right? And it always had really, really bad music. In fact, some of you have heard me say this. I'm not kidding. We were told in our church in Ohio I can remember this even in high school, that rock and roll music was of the devil. Anybody, anybody, seriously, anybody ever heard that at church? Yeah, look around. Those of you that like rock and roll music here, that was not what I grew up in. In fact, we were told rock and roll music was of the devil, and specifically, the beat two and four was the devil's beat. So any song that went, "Mm, two, three, four, one, two, that was of the devil. You know why they said that? I'm not making this up. They said, because that beat makes you want to have sex. And that's the devil's beat. So you can't play that kind of beat in church. Let me tell you, that's not true. I play that beat around my house all the time and my wife's not chasing me around, all right? I wish it worked that way, but it doesn't. Anyway, I'm kidding. But I mean, that was my experience growing up in church. It's like, who would want to be a part of that? Now, Here's the thing. I don't know if you looked at the title today, but we've given this series three very unique titles, and today is called Pastors Shouldn't Lead Churches. Did you even know that? You're thinking, wait, 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 did you say that wrong? Pastors should lead churches. No, 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 we said it right. Pastors should not lead churches. And if you're going, that doesn't make sense to me, at the end of the day, I hope you go, you're right. Pastors shouldn't lead churches. 
And so the question would be, well, then who should? Well, I'm going to explain that today by going to the Bible and showing you that the Bible never said that a pastor should lead a church. And again, I hope you're so confused right now. My whole life, I've, I've been told that pastors should lead churches. No, actually, every church I was a part of, that's the way it worked. And the pastor didn't just lead the church. He did absolutely everything in the church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He preached on Sundays. He went to the hospital. He did funerals. He did weddings. He mowed the yard, right? He, he baptized dogs and infants and everything else. He did counseling. Any, anybody know what I'm talking about? He did everything. And it wasn't a her. It was always a him. And a thousand pastors a month leave the ministry because they're exhausted because God never designed it to work that way. But that's still how so many places function. God designed the church. And we're going to find that out today as we go to the New Testament and find out, okay, when the church first started in the book of Acts and then uh, the letters that Paul wrote to the churches, what was the original design? And here, I'm going to show you something. In the the, the New Testament, we find that the church is full of all kinds of gifts, skills, abilities, one of them being a pastoral gift, and we're going to define what that means today. And all of those abilities, gifts, of God's spirit to us are to be active in the church and everyone's supposed to play a part. In fact, some of you know, I'm referring to a passage in 1 Corinthians, which is a letter that Paul, who planted churches all around Asia Minor, wrote letters then back to those churches to say, here's how the church should function. And if the church is gonna do what God wants it to do on planet earth, it needs to function like this. And in chapter 12, he gives this description of all the different kind of gifts or abilities that God gives the church. He says, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Now, what kind of spirit is he talking about? The human spirit? No, you see the capital S? That's because the Greek there is the Holy Spirit of God literally gives a follower of Christ. When the second you and I come to Christ, we have a gift. Actually, maybe more than one gift that God gives us an, a, a unique ability that he wants us to use to help the church go forward. So he says, God does that, and he distributes them differently to different people. He says, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all, and all of them and everyone is the same God at work. Just as the body, though one has many parts, but all as many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Now, look at this. He compares the church to a human body. He says, now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. In other words, Some gifts look more, you know, some abilities look more important than others. They're not just because, well, he's going to go on. He said, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now you, now he's applying it to the church. You are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So he's getting at this idea that everybody's got a unique gift, ability, and every one of those gifts matters. And today we're going to sort of define what those gifts look like. Because if you're a follower of Christ, you've got one or two or three of these gifts. And so to help us understand what they look like, I've got eight volunteers that need to run up here on stage really fast. Becky Lee, our campus director, ran out and said she's, she's found me eight people. They're going to come up on stage. They volunteer to be a part of this. They don't even know what they volunteered for. But uh, they're going to walk up. I should have four men and four women. 
Where are they? Oh, here they are. Okay. Now, we need to go male, female, male, female. So get male, female, male, female. I don't care who's first, second, third, whatever. All right. Now, you're not up here having a little party saying hi to everybody. This is church. You're not supposed to be nice to anybody. Okay. So we've got eight. You're in the right order. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I wrote a little, well, actually, our teaching team wrote a little um, drama script that you guys are going to act out. Okay. Because I've been told you're really good drama people. Are you actors? And I've got a mic, because I'm going to hold it up to you. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a name. I'm going to give each one of you a name. And as you get this name, it sort of tells what your gift is, what your special... You were in the last service. You've already seen this. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you're back, John. She tapped you. All right, so you look like... Well, let's see. Yeah, this works. You look perfect. Your name is what? Donovan. Donovan. And Donovan, you are Mr. In Charge. Doesn't he look like he's in charge? There you go, bud. Yeah. You got to just act like now you're in charge. Shoulders back. Yeah. Shoulders back. <laughs> you know, chin up. You know what? I'm mixing this thing up. Oh, you're Miss Cheerleader. Oh, Lord. Because you're an encourager. Yes. I know you. You're an encourager. You play that role right. I'm not even looking at my script. That's right. You're going to be um, Mr. Servant. Wait, wait, wait. So what's your name? Donovan? No, 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 no. That's no longer your name. We know that. You're... Mr. In Charge. You're Miss... Cheerleader. You're Mr. Servant. All right. You are... Um, what did I... Oh, Miss Caregiver. Perfect. Susanna's Miss Caregiver. Yep. What's your name? Caregiver. All right. Ben, you are Mr. Explains a lot. Mm, nice. Explains a lot. Explains and here, here's what your unique ability... Your unique ability is you can explain spiritual truths out of anything. There's always a spiritual truth somewhere. Somebody's phone is ringing up here. Well, that's on stage. All right, who do I have left? All right, I have, oh, I have, I have, you are Miss Generous. You love to give money, and you love to get other people to give money, right? Your name is? Jordan. Jordan, and you are Mr. Organized. Oh, Mr. Organized. You're so organized. Is he organized? He is today. You are. Just pretend it, man. Right. And you're a Chippewa? Yeah. Well, that's even better. Fire up chips. All right, so you're, you're Mr. Organized. And what's your name? Izzy. Izzy, that was your name. Now your name is Miss... We're going to call you Miss Happy Drinker. You like to drink. And that's grape juice. It looks like water or vodka, but it's grape juice. All right? Okay, so now you know who you are. And you know who they are, right? You got to play along with me too. I don't know how this is going to go, but we're going to try it, all right? Let's say, so here's the drama, all right? I'm going to make this up as we go. I'm not even going to look at my script anymore because I know it so well. I've done it once. Here we go. You guys are all mingling at a party. Go mingle. Mingle at a party. You're in a party. You're in a family room. You're hanging out. Now, come on. This is a real party. Hey, don't get clickish. You got to meet everybody. Mingling around. All right, so you're mingling. Everybody's doing. Happy drinker. You're drinking a lot. Keep drinking. All right. Okay. So here's what happens. Okay. Stop mingling. Here's what happens. Mr. Explainer tells a joke. You got a joke? If you don't have one, somebody got one? You got one, Ben? Why did the scarecrow get a job promotion? I don't know why. Because he was out sending in his field. Oh. Oh. So he told a joke. So everybody's laughing their head off. They're laughing. They're laughing so hard. Their body's showing. Get it. Get it. Get more in a group. And, And the crowd is laughing with them. Come on. Come on, this is improv, all right? So as they're laughing, 
Miss Happy Drinker is so happy, she spills her grape juice on the white carpet. Go it, do it. She spills it. Now, what would happen? What would happen right now? Who's Mr. Server? Where's Mr. Server? I don't have a napkin, man. Look, look, look. Mr. In Charge, what are you going to do? Oh, you got him to help? Okay, they're sort of doing it, but here's what would happen. Mr. In Charge would tell everybody what to do. Go get towels. What do you? I'm Care. You're Care. So, Miss Care, Miss Care would go over to the drinking girl and say, it's okay. Who's my fundraiser? Does anybody have more towels? No, 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 no. You're going to collect money and pay for the carpet. Oh, well, do you have any Yeah, I got money right there. There you go. And, so and, good. and miss so all the encourager. Go you encourager. guys are just so good at cleaning up. It's now we got Mr. Explains a lot. Yes, uh, Davey's cleaning this up right on the ground. Hey, you want to hear what Mr. Explains has to say? Explain this. Yes, yeah, so we got Jordan right here on the ground as well. He's cleaning this up just in yeah, case he didn't know. What's the spiritual impact of this? Oh man, David is just, David is just grown as a servant of the Lord here. This man's grown in his gifts. These people are just these people are learning so much. Where's Mr. Organized? You should be taking notes. You're not helping. Get up and take notes. You've got a little pad. Okay. You're taking bullets so this right, never so, happens again. So we only have one paper towel roll, so we need $2. You know, go out go out to Meyer. You know, that's 30 miles away, so go get there. All right. All right. Give him a hand. We're done. We're done. We're done. All right. Don't leave. Don't leave. Line up. Line up. Hey, Mr. Server, you better take this with you when you leave. Okay? All right. So here's, here's what I just did. They probably know it, maybe they don't. Some of you who've read the New Testament know there's like 28 gifts listed. I'm not going to go through them all. I just showed you eight that are literally, every one of these gifts is in the New Testament and says every one of these gifts is in in the church. Okay, happy drinker, not in there, okay? So that one was out, right? But we have what? Anybody know what this gift is called in the Bible? An organized person? The gift of administration. It's in... Romans 12, it's in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. A very organized person who is detail-oriented, usually has a checklist. My assistant, Debbie Popchak, has been my assistant 28 years. She's the most organized person in the world. I would be nothing without her organizing my life. In fact, her husband says when he goes to the bathroom in the middle of the night, she makes the bed before he gets back in bed. So anyway, that's an organized person, right? And then we got Suzanne. What was yours? Care. Care. So guess what this gift is in the Bible? Anybody want to take a guess? A caregiver? A shepherd is called a pastor. Think about that. You should already be connecting dots right now. She has a caregiver shepherding pastor gift. I'm not saying in real life, but in this drama, and you do probably in real life too. That wasn't that. Quite a little. Right? Yeah, she's got it. But that's a pastor gift. This was, explains a lot, is called the teaching gift. They can take things and make sense of them, and usually they connect them back to a spiritual Truth or principle? Amanda's was what? Generosity. Generosity. That's a gift called giving. And some of you just went, I'm glad I don't have that gift. It doesn't matter if you have the generosity to give. We're all commanded to give whether we have or not. Your gift was what? Yeah, so that's literally a server. It's called, in the Bible, helps. It's called helps. What was yours? Oh, she's, that's why I gave it. Miss Cheerleader, encourage, encourage, build up, speak words of life. Perfect. And then Mr. In Charge, guess what that gift is? It's called the Apostle Gift. All right, give him a hand. That was just a way to do it. Take that with you.
Take that with you. You guys were awesome. They didn't even know what they're doing. They came up here. Okay. I did. I do a good job. See, she's still encouraging me. All right, let's close in prayer and go home. You got it, right? Now, here, here's the amazing thing. Is if you, if, if you look at those gifts, you should have right away going, wait, 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 wait. So the pastor gift is a caregiver gift. What's that mean? Well, I'm going to show you something. Something that's really important to a church and leadership of a church is what Paul wrote to another church, a church in a city called Ephesus. Again, he started this church. He goes other places to start other churches, and then he has to check back with these churches. Sometimes they're having problems. Sometimes they just need encouragement. How did Paul do that? Many of you know this. He wrote them letters. Guess what those letters are called? The Bible. I got to tell you something. I grew up in church. I never knew what an epistle was. Have you guys ever heard the epistle uh, of 1 Peter, the epistle? I thought it was a gun. I am not kidding. Nobody ever taught me, because I don't think they had the teaching gift, that an epistle is another word for a letter that Paul wrote to a people group. This one, a, a church in Ephesus. So he's saying, let me describe to you how the church needs to be led and what gifts lead the church. I'm going to read it to you. In, first, uh, in Ephesians 4, and by, by the way, man, we spent years studying this in seminary because we wanted to go out and lead churches you got to know what that looks like. He says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. What's he talking about? He's talking about gifts again. Christ gives you these gifts. And he says, it is he who gave some, and he's going to list five key gifts. Here they are. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets. There's two. Some to be evangelists. That's the third gift. Some to be pastors. That's the fourth gift. And some to be teachers. So he said, he only lists five here. Other places he lists all 28. He lists five here and he says, if you're reading it, you're like, okay, what are those people supposed to do? And he tells you. Verse 12, he says, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, did you catch that? That is what's called a purpose statement in the Bible or in English. So that, to what? Prepare God's people for what? Pop it back up there. I want you to see this. This is really important. To prepare God's people for what? Works of service. You know what that's another phrase for? The ministry. To do God's work. So the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, and the, and the pastor are supposed to prepare God's people to build up the body of Christ so that what? So they, they can do the ministry. Let me tell you something. You study just that passage and you start to go, wait, wait, wait. The church was never, ever designed to be a one man or one woman show. Never. It should never have been one guy or one gal doing everything. It was always these leadership gifts lead the body of Christ, which is another word for church, the community, the family of God, to use their gifts, which everyone has one or two or three. Again, the second you come to Christ, and I didn't understand this when I gave my life to Jesus in college, but he gave me, proportioned to me a gift or two. I know what my top three are. I bet you know what my top three are too, because usually you can identify gifts in other people. They're good at certain things and they're bad at certain things. And of these gifts up here, there's a lot of these I'm really bad at. And there's a couple I'm good at, and so are you. And so God said, oh man, the church is, is, is going to grow. It's going to make a dent. Like talked about last weekend, it's going to make an impact on the world. If it's functioning with everybody understanding, they are a critical, vital part of this body. Let me tell you something. If you don't use your gift 
and I don't use my gift, guess what this church does? It just becomes stagnant. And I'll tell you something. When pastors lead churches, they don't grow. Because the pastoral gift is not a leadership gift. Now think about this. This is really interesting stuff because no company, no sports team, no family goes anywhere unless it's led well by a leader who has mission and vision and then able to motivate people to take that mountain. That is not a pastoral gift. That's the first gift Paul lists there. It's an apostle gift. In fact, I made a chart. And again, this is just my chart. I, I mean, studied this for years and decades, so you don't have to write these things down. But I'd say, take a picture of this if you really want to understand how the church is supposed to function. Because what I try to do is give you the gift on the left, what he calls it there in Ephesians 4, and then what's, what's the meaning of that? What's the action they take? What, how do they look at life? And then what's the result? Okay, so I'm going to walk through these really quick. First one was the apostle gift. The apostle gift actually means sent one. So if you want to think of a word that captures the apostle, it's go. Apostles are always, let's go, let's go. Let's take this mountain, and then let's take this city, and then let's go here. And it's really interesting. They go take God's DNA or God's culture or, or uh, God's kingdom principles where? To new territory. They're always about taking new territory. Now think about this. It's really an interesting study, and I don't have time to get uh, completely into it. But the word apostle was a Roman word that the Romans used when they took over or conquered a city, guess who they sent in first? Yelled out, what do you think? The apostles. You, you, only, you and I only think of it in church language. It was not first church language. Apostles were sent ones by the Roman government to do what? Bring the Roman culture into this new area because they're, they're now under us. So bring in the culture of Rome to this new area. So the apostle gift is the sent gift where God sends apostles to bring in the kingdom of God principles. In this kingdom, there's no gossip. In this kingdom, the leaders serve everybody. In this kingdom, husbands lay down their lives for their wives. In this kingdom, wives respect their men. In this kingdom, you get it? I'm just articulating the kingdom of God. The apostle brings that because he's a go, go, go. And his action is he leads. And there's advance at all times and he's conquering new territory. So then you have the prophet. The prophet gift is they listen to God and they speak what God's saying to the people. So he comes alongside the apostle. And by the way, these are in order. A church always begins with an apostle and then a prophet comes alongside and says, yeah, I think we need to go to Lake Orion. I think God is saying we should do our first series on the weekends on this topic because it'll draw the people we're trying to reach. I feel like God is saying that. They're a guide. They're really listening to the spirit of God. And they tell us where, where's the right territory to take. The evangelist is the persuader. They are always thinking about the one that Josh talked about, that the, the, the reckless love of God is for you and me who are found, but is also for those who are lost and don't think God loves them. The evangelist is like, I mean, honestly, if you want to take evangelists to the lens they really look at life at, they're like, what are we doing meeting in a church? Let's go, let's go, let's go. There's people driving by the church right now. They're going to hell in a handbasket. Why are we sitting here singing songs? Let's go, let's go, let's go. You know any evangelists like that? One of the greatest evangelists in our time just died, Billy Graham. And if you watch the special on his life, you're like, oh my gosh. All that guy thought about was leading people to the kingdom of God, to Jesus. That's an evangelist. They're converting the one and expanding kingdom. The pastor is a caregiver. It means shepherd, care for those that are here. They shepherd the community. They're all about creating a family. They care for the people. 
It's a beautiful and very vital gift to the body of Christ. And then the last one, teacher, is they explain God's truth. In fact, a teacher, if they have a teaching gift, they explain God's truth in a way that it actually makes sense. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I've never understood the Bible, but that guy or that gal led this Bible study and it made sense for the first time. They've got a teaching gift because that's what they do. They enlighten, light bulbs come on, the word is central and people mature in their faith. Okay, now looking at those five, do you know if you have one of those gifts? Just looking at, and again, there's ways you can do this. You can go online and take a spiritual gifts test and it'll rank your top three. Again, you can ask people that know you well, what do you think I'm good at? And if it's one of those, they're gonna say, I never called you a prophet, but you're a prophet. You hear from God and when you speak that out, sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like, now let, let me ask you this. Many of you know me. If you've been around here a while, I've been here a long time from day one, 28 years. So you've heard me do messages like this forever. Tell me what you think my number one gift is. Just, just yell it out. Teacher? Teacher, anything else? Apostle? Is that it? It's one of those two. Counselor would be number 119. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Anybody that's come in to see me for counseling knows that I'm not a counselor. I'm not a counselor. And and it's really, I'm glad you said that. It's really important to distinguish that. You know who are good counselors? Pastors. I don't have the pastor gift. And yet my title has pastor in it. And I just texted Steve Andrews and said, dude, it's time to get rid of this title because it isn't accurate to who we are. Now, I'm not going to ask you to call me apostle. (laughs) Apostle Dave, do not do that. (laughs) But my gifts in order are evangelist, apostle, teacher in that order. And most people would concur with that. And by the way, there are people that think they have a gift and sometimes don't. Have you ever been to a Bible study or been to a church where the guy or gal teaching couldn't teach and everybody knew it but them? Right? It's like American Idol. Like nobody told you you can't sing. Okay. You know, it's boring and nobody learns anything. And it's like, I don't want to go back there anymore. A teacher has a teaching gift and you know it the second it happens because people are like, Thank you. That was the first time it made sense. If I don't have the teaching gift, get me off the stage now. Right? If I don't have the singing gift, get me off. It's, it's no different. And so God has designed the church to operate this way. Now, think about this. As you look at that, think about our title. Pastors should not lead churches. Why not? Here, I'll show you. Pop up the other chart. I made another chart. It sort of gives you where these people look. The apostles all about go, so they're always outward focused. They're always saying, God, what's next? Should we go to Oxford? Should we go to Grand Blank? Should we go to Salt Lake City? God, what are you doing? What's stirring? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's send people out because they're always go, go, go. In fact, I could, I could make fun of all these gifts because when you're around apostles, they're always talking about go. Always talk about go. In fact, they don't like waiting. They don't like the 12 steps. Like, we don't need 12 steps. We need one. It's called go, all right? And there's just go, go, go. Well, they're outward focused. The prophet is always about no, and it's like what God's saying. And they connect everything in life to a spiritual truth. Everything. They're walking around their head on a swivel, like looking for signs from God. You know, like, hey, did you see that clock? Yeah. What time does it say? It says 1234. Yeah, that's a sign from God. What? 
One, two, three, four. He's saying, let's go. And he's going to bring that sign back again in 12 hours. Like, no, that's just a clock, right? But that's what prophets do. They hear from God and they speak. But here's the, here's the focus of a prophet. It's outward. God's calling us beside the apostle to go. The evangelist is always about outward. He's, I'm an evangelist. There's part of me that's like, I don't even want to be here right now. I want to be out there. I want to go into a bar and befriend some guys. I want to get on my motorcycle and meet some guys and gals riding bikes and, that are far from God and just start riding with them. And, and hope there is a relationship built leading to Christ. That's all I ever think about. Everywhere I am is like, how's this affecting the one that doesn't know God? How's this sermon affecting the one? How did that song? How did that video? Every second I'm thinking that, my, my focus is always out there, out there, out there. But look at the last two. The pastor, the shepherd, the teacher, the explainer are more inward focused. It doesn't mean they don't have an outward focus, but they are about caring for those that are here. And that's a vital gift. Because if you don't care for the ones that God has brought, they're not going to stay because they need shepherding, right? And they need caregivers to come alongside them. And then the teacher is like, we need to grow them up in maturity. So the word, the word, the word, you got a problem in your life. It's the word. You're not in the word. Get in the word. The word is the word, right? That's what a teacher does. It's like that. But those last two gifts are more inward focused. The other three are outward focused. So you tell me, should pastors lead churches? No. Should they be a part? Yes. But they don't lead because pastors aren't about leading. They're about caring. And again, it's a vital gift that the church needs. But think about this. Most churches are led by pastors and most churches never grow. They become a nice family and community that outsiders feel like is an insider club. That was never God's design. And the reason if you come up to me and I've said this many times and it still happens, somebody will come up to me, probably won't happen today because of what I'm teaching on. But on normal Sunday, somebody will walk up to me in the lobby and they'll say, hey, pastor. And I'll look at them and say, first time here? And they'll be like, how'd you know? And I'll say, because you have a tie on and... (laughs) I'm kidding, sometimes. And they don't refer to me here as pastor. And that confuses them because every church they've been to, the lead person is the pastor. That's not my gift. My gift is apostle, evangelist, teacher. I'm a goer. Do you know how many pastors we have at Kensington? Want to take a guess? Tens of thousands. Many of you have the pastoral gift. Here's how you know what your gift is. When a crisis happens, it comes out immediately. When somebody spills a drink at a party, the pastor goes over and says, it's okay, it's just carpet, it's just a... The server goes over... The apostle says, hey, you go to the kitchen, you go here, you go there. That's what I was trying to model for you. The gifts just show up. Why? Because they're in there. And that's what you do. And so it, it, it isn't a joke here. Because Ann and I speak on marriage all over the place, and we just wrote a marriage book that's coming out in January, everybody thinks they need to come to Dave for counseling for their marriage. And then when they have one appointment with me, by the way, Debbie says, you don't want to meet with Dave. You don't want to meet with Dave. I'm telling you, you don't want to meet with Dave. You want to meet with our pastors who are caregivers. That's who we meet. No, I got to meet with Dave. He gets me. He understands. They meet one time. They literally walk out of my office to Debbie and goes, you're right. Get me somebody else. Because I sit in there as an apostle, teacher, evangelist and say, so tell me why you keep doing this. Quit it. Grow up. Treat her better. Okay, next. That's not a pastoral 
Oh, I understand, right? Do we need pastors? Yes. Do I need to be a caregiver? Yes, we all do. Just like if you don't have the gift of generosity, I made fun of that, you still give. It's not, I don't have this gift, I don't have to do it. If I don't have the gift of evangelism, does that mean I never tell somebody about Jesus? Nope, you still tell people you're commanded to go and make disciples the second you come to Christ. But here's the thing. The church should not be led by pastors. The church should be led by apostles. What's apostle mean? Leader, leader, leader. Why? Because they are gonna take ground for the kingdom. Now, all that to say the most important thing I wanna say, and it's about this place. Okay, but I want to say that as we take the offering, okay, because I just made fun of the, you know, if you don't have the giving gift, you don't have to give. No, actually, I'm going to take the offering to say give. And those of you who have a gift of generosity, God bless you and thank you. You're so generous. This place continues to go like a good apostle wants it to and grow like a good teacher and evangelist wants it to. And those of you that are brand new, I know some of you walked in here today, first day. I think it's a great day to be here. It's like, So that's what the church should look like? Yeah. And I'm not saying we're doing it perfectly, but that's what it should be. The church should be on a move. So if you're a first-time person here, you don't have to give unless you're so so compelled by this. You're like, man, I'm in day one. I'm going to start giving. No, this is a time for you to find out what we're about and where you fit in because you've got a place here. I promise you. And if you're new, your first step is not to give, to go to starting point. We have a starting point table in the lobby. Say, man, I'm new. Where do I start? They'll help you start there. Okay, so all of this is for one big idea. You know what the big idea is? Here it is. When leaders go, the church grows. When apostles are put in in the place of leadership in a church, the church grows. When leaders go, that's what leaders do, the church grows. In fact, here's another way I would say it. No apostle equals no go. You understand what I'm saying? If there's no apostle leading an organization... No CEO, no visionary leading a company or no apostle leader leading the church. Usually that church doesn't have a a DNA, a value of let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's take new ground, new territory where God is sending us. And the prophets are saying, here's where I think God's sending us. Let's pray about that. Let's go. Let's send the evangelist. Let's go teach there. Let's go. And next thing you know, boom, boom, boom. Churches start all over the place. Now, here's why I'm saying that. Because if you've been in Kensington very long, and if today's your first day, you need to know this from day one. This place is an apostle-led church, which means what? We're going to drive you crazy, always talking about the next initiative. Some of you have already driven crazy. You're like, why do you guys always want to plant a church? Because that's what God wants to do. And we believe he's made us big enough with resources and people to say, send them. I've never been a part of a church ever in my life before Kensington that ever sent anybody to go do anything. I never saw one conversion in my church growing up in all those denominations. I never once saw one baptism ever. And I thought, that's the church. It's sort of dead. It's sort of inside a club. Nothing really happens. They don't change the city. They don't change the country. They don't change the world. They basically do nothing but come together, love each other, sing a few songs, and go back to work and live like hell. And don't care about people going to hell. I'm getting a little fired up because that was the church. And many of you grew up in the same thing. It's like, that's not led by somebody saying, God, what do you want us to do? He's saying, let's go reach the world. How do you do that? You run in the Detroit, Hope, whatever, marathon and, you know, <laughs> save people in Africa. You go 
to Clarkston, you go to Shelby, you go to Clinton Township, and you actually build a building there now. You go to Salt Lake City. I can tell you, we've planted 60 churches and we're still gonna plant more. We are doing global partners. We got 10 of them. We're, we're, we're rescuing women out of sex trafficking and leading them to Jesus. And those women are starting churches in Nepal. It's the most beautiful thing you ever saw. How does that happen? A church going to do what a church is supposed to do. That's what it should be. And I tell you, I'm probably gonna pass out because some of you can probably tell I'm on a 14-day fast. Today is the end day. I'm not going to break the fast till after our 6 p.m. tonight, and I cannot wait. Why am I fasting? Because I fast every year for Easter. Why? Because I'm an evangelist, and I beg God to bring thousands of Christ over Easter, because I know your neighbors will come. If you invite them, they'll come. If you care enough to let them know about the reckless of God, they will come to Easter with one invite. And trust me on this. God's going to show up, and their entire life and eternity will be changed. Why do I think that way? Because I'm always about out there. Now, that doesn't mean this doesn't matter. This is critical. But I know this. There's so many pastors that God has brought here. You know what they're called? Kensington attenders. You don't know it, but you're unpaid staff. You're a better pastor than I'll ever be. I just had a woman come up to me. I did her daughter's wedding this summer. And in three months, that, that marriage imploded. In three months. And I got an email because the daughter only knew me as the pastor that did her wedding saying, we need your help. And I connected that email to the team of pastors that has an army for marriage. And I just found out from the mom, she said, I just want you to know, your army of pastors who love marriages have surrounded my daughter and son-in-law and they're gonna make it. I had nothing to do with it. Right? She thought I would be the answer. And I'm like, I'm not the answer, but I know how to connect you to the army. It's called the church, the body of Christ. Everybody playing their part. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. And so here's the thing. Some of you came last week, you're like, oh no, we're on another campaign. I get it. I understand it. Why? Because here's what, you just connected the dots, didn't you? Here's the dots. Go churches, do go campaigns. Why? We're always following God to new territory. We call it here the go pulse. The church on the move has a go pulse. What's that mean? The heartbeat, the pulse is go, go, go. And so we plant churches and we plant campuses and we go global and we need you to join in and we need your money and my money as well. And so I'm gonna show you the video we showed you last week. Some of you weren't here, watch it. This is like, this is what God's doing. Why is he doing this? Because when apostles lead, you take new ground. And I know that can drive people crazy, but I don't think God ever intended the church to be just stagnant and mediocre and not do anything. He said, let's go and let's take the world. And the only way we can do that is if we all say, I'm in for that. So let God speak to you through this. Once in a while, a church has the opportunity to accelerate their mission, like double down on what they're all about. 
And over the years of Kensington's existence, we have had just a handful of those very special times. And our Everyone campaign is the most recent example of that. This was a three-year window in which Kensington friends are giving over and above their regular financial support. We are approaching the last year of those three. A few thousand people have already given toward this, and we are so grateful. But we have more to do in order to finish strong, and we have more people who can help us get over that finish line. So some of you have been with us all along. You started with the Everyone campaign a couple years ago, and you've been giving, and we're so grateful. And perhaps you were around back then and just didn't see your way clear to jump in financially with us back then. But maybe now you could see your way clear to jumping in for the last 12 months. And maybe some of you are brand new to Kensington, and you may want to consider being part of the last year as well. And no matter who you are, we just know that together as a church family, we can fuel incredible mission and ministry here and around the world. And to get a taste of what all those things are, take a look at this. We're super excited about our new Clinton Township building, where we believe thousands of people will come meet Christ and engage their faith in a totally new way. At Troy, we've been able to improve a handful of things, including our kids' security system, and make some updates in the auditorium. We're still helping new churches get off the ground, so we invested in East Town Church, led by the Dupins in San Francisco. We believe environments matter, so we've invested heavily in our online environment, that is our website, as well as what you see when you come into a Kensington lobby. We were able to complete the adoption of the Traverse City campus and church family. We've partnered with an organization called Youth with a Mission, which is all about reaching the next generation in the city of Detroit. So it's been an amazing run, not just for 27, 28 years, but even in the last couple of years, we have been able to see amazing things happen inside of Kensington, outside of Kensington. And, and when you think of all that, what for you uh, like really gets you pumped up? Our story is almost unique in the world. When I tell people around the country, say, yeah, we have seven campuses giving millions of dollars to another campus that they'll never see or use in order to see people come to know Christ in the Detroit area. And they're like, wait a second, explain this to me. These people over here, 40 minutes away are giving to these people and they're giving like major portions of their life resources to make this happen. It, it doesn't even compute to people. And what I love is the, this spirit of other-centeredness. The great part now is we're taking this little kind of time out in the Everyone campaign because we've put a lot of resources into Clinton Township facility, understandably, yep. but there's this other list of projects that are really amazing projects that if we finish strong and as we sort of collect people into this investment, it's amazing things yet to come yes. just in the next like year or two. And think about this. This is this seems almost corny, but Troy's getting a new parking lot for a new Troy campus. Listen, there's a new spirit at Troy and a new vision and a new movement that is as exciting to me as anything we've done in our 27 years. We have signage. We have things that are happening at every campus to make us better. And we're going to step in and see those things happen. Was that your dream, like when you said, I want to be a church planting operation, a church planting church, which is why people think we're crazy, right? Because we're always sending people away from our church. Had you dreamt about having that express itself in other places than just America? I did, but I had no way, I had no way of knowing the variation of Nepal, Cuba, Afghanistan, where we actually are supporting leaders who, who have been executed, have been beheaded this year. We get, gosh, we get to 
to be a part of it. Are you kidding me? No, I never dreamed that it would be this dramatic. The other thing that I didn't expect is the fact that people hear, well, we want to start new churches, and they think, oh, you want, you want to start like a beautiful building? Like, No. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we have people that are launching new initiatives, new dreams all the time, new small groups and homes, new ideas, new ministries that, that are going to change the way people live. This is being birthed in the hearts of Kensington people literally every second. You know, I think sometimes when people see Kensington and they see some of the great things that have happened and the buildings we have and all these wonderful people around us, they're like, well, what do you guys need? I mean, why would you even be asking for more? Like, are you building some sort of an empire? Yeah. Well, the empire that's being built belongs to Jesus Christ, not to me. Not to, No one on this staff owns any of this. This belongs to the Kensington body. And what is amazing to me is that whatever we do inside, we do far more outside. We're going to launch our 59th U.S. domestic church this year. We are going to touch over a million people with the gospel of Jesus Christ globally. It's like what we do here at Kensington. It's like the the epicenter of, of everything going out. Almost like we're collecting resources so that we can actually send yes. them out. Yes, yeah. and, then, and then the greatest resources, the people themselves, as they go out to do what God's called them to do. So there's probably a couple thousand people listening to this conversation right now, and uh, we still have a year of the Everyone campaign to go. What would you love to see happen? Very simple. I want 100% of us to be in to this everyone campaign. I want every person at Kensington who's a part of Kensington now to be able to look back and say, I helped finish that Clinton Township building. It's going to be reaching people at Hall Road in 94 for the next 100 years. And I helped build that Nepal safe house where young girls are being restored into church planners and community leaders. And I invested in Kaleo kids and reaching these elementary schools and restoring and changing these kids' identities. And I was a part of getting Troy a new parking lot and Orion, you know, building upgrades inside. The beauty of life is when you can say, we did this together. That's what I want. I want every person to be freed from the the oppression of the question, what's in it for me? And to be liberated to ask the question, what is Jesus Christ inviting me into? Like how to use my life, everything that I've been, been, been given, whether it's for the Everyone came, campaign or starting a new program or reaching out to their neighbors and that we begin to live not with this concern about how do I preserve my own life? It's how do I give my life away and let Jesus like flow through me in this world? Not, not just through individuals, but as communities, as teams, as groups of people. Uh, Kensington is a huge army around the world. And uh, as people are learning to say, not my will, but Jesus, yours be done, man. What might we see? I mean, it, we've already been amazed. I think the best is yet to come.
Tell you, 28 years ago, honestly, never dreamed of something that epic that we get to be a part of. It's just astounding that when God shows up, things like what you just experienced, I think we forget, oh my gosh, I'm just a small part of so much more. I mean, there's almost 60 churches meeting this morning all around just the U.S. that came out of here. And the amazing thing is, you now know this is God's call on Kensington. It's the go pulse of Kensington. That's not going to be every church. There's other churches around that are smaller, that stay smaller, that are family, community focused, that are awesome. They're exactly what God wants them to be. But you're sitting in a place right now that God has said, go pulse, let's go, let's go. And so it's pretty exciting to be a part of that impacting all around the world. And so this, this is why we're in this campaign right now. But I want to show you one little quick video before I talk to you about the campaign, and then we'll end the day with a, a closing moment to say the church is really unstoppable. And it's a thank you video from some of the church planners from the churches that are meeting this Sunday all around the country. And they just all pieced together some iPhone video and sent it to us just to say, they're not saying thanks to me. They're saying thanks to you, to us. Because you don't realize this, but they exist because you gave in the last campaign and you've made pledges in this campaign. And this is what happens when anyone here gives a dollar. Watch this. Hey, what's going on, Kensington? I'm Clint. And I am Michael, and we are at Easttown Church. It's Vince Antonucci from Verve Church in Las Vegas. This is Dave Kubiak from Antioch Church in St. Clair Shores. Hey, Kensington, this is Dave Nelson out in K2 The Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Travis here with Miles City Church in Livonia, Michigan. Hey, this is John and Catherine Evans from Renovation Church in Oviedo, Florida. This is Colin and Liz Harfield. We moved out to the greater Boston area back in August with a view to planting Anthem Church later this fall. I'm Julius Murgor, uh, the director of... Home Harvesters International. This is Jaya from India. This is Ramesh Sapkota. I'm from Nepal. It's been nearly 10 years since you sent Chris and me and a group of others out to New York City to plant a church called Communitas. I want to thank you because you have been a part of what we've been doing since the very beginning. You guys uh, supported us financially with your prayers, sent mission teams, and we are here today because of you. Last week, I had the opportunity to meet a reporter, and it was his first time ever in church. And uh, he said, I just want to let you know, I'm going to come back next Sunday because I can't wait to learn more. And the first person we saw come to Christ was a pimp, and we have seen prostitutes and uh, gang members and you name it, Satanists, and you guys are part of every single one of those lives that have been changed. We are already gathering a group of people, about 20 to 30 people that have been gathering on a regular basis. In just a few short months, we're already seeing over 100 people gathering weekly. Well, you know, over a thousand people are going to show up today, and that's been the case for years here. We have been fighting against human trafficking and rescuing the girls who've been taken from the country of Nepal. And so we just want to say thank you again for all that you have done, all the sacrifices that you have made uh, to make this possible. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible support. Just know that what you're doing there is impacting Tons of people out here in Salt Lake. From New Life Church on Wayne State's campus in Detroit, Michigan, thank you, Kensington. From Grumlaw Church in Grand Blanc, Michigan, thank you. From Detroit Church in the heart of Midtown Detroit, thank you to all our friends, Steve, Greg, and the entire Kensington family. All, all things new! Thank you so much. We literally couldn't have done it without you. Thank you! Hey, Dave Wilson here, and I want to say thank you, too. On behalf of the Kensington leadership, 
Thank you. You have made all of this possible. We've planted 60 plus churches in the, in the United States, thousands of churches around the world, and countless numbers of people have been impacted for Jesus. And you don't even realize this. It's because of you, your giving, your sacrifice has made a huge difference. So on behalf of all of our leadership, thank you for what you've done. Let me tell you, it's just the beginning. God is going to do amazing things. Tell you what, that, that makes my day. Does it make your day? I mean, it's like, wow, you, we are a part of that. We don't even know it. It's just, it's just crazy. And, and so that brings us to this moment where this is what you were given when you came in, and you were given it last week as well. And it's because uh, those of you that were here two years ago know we started a campaign. We called it Everyone, the ones in parentheses, because it's that one that doesn't know God, recklessly loves them, and we're trying to reach them. And we said, man, because we're a go church with a go pulse, there's always new things happening. We're building a building in, in Clinton Township. It'll be completed in May. Thousands more people are going to reach on the east side. We're upgrading this campus. We're upgrading the Detroit campus. You saw all the things we're doing. And to do that, we need people to say, I'm, I'm going to make a pledge, a three-year pledge, which we started two years ago. Ann and I made a pledge. Many thousands of you did as well. And so we're in year two now, and we have one year to go. And so as I look at this, we say, man, you're in one of these three categories. And I'm inviting you to just consider this. You're either stay in, which is what we're going to do. It's like we made the pledge. We haven't fulfilled it yet. We're going to stay in and complete it by next year when the deadline comes. Some of you, it's amazing. So many have already told us, I already completed my pledge. And some people say, could I step up and add more to that pledge? We're like, yeah, I think you could do that. <laughs> yeah, of course you can. So some of you are like, maybe God's blessed you since then, or, or you just want it, like, I could, I could give more, so that's step up. But there's many that weren't here two years ago, or last year, or maybe couldn't make a pledge then, and you would be in the startup category, which means we, we had 22 million pledged, our goal's 30 million, and so there's an $8 million dream that we have that we're asking you to consider like i'm going to start up even though i'm late to the party i'm going to jump in this party and next weekend we're going to invite you to come back and bring your pledge card in and say i'm in and like steve said i so concur with what he said my dream isn't that everybody gives these huge amazing gifts although you can do that it's that everybody does something 100 percent. that would be my dream that everybody says man i don't have a lot to give but i can give a little i don't know if you looked at that but if somebody gave 50 dollars a month that adds up. There's a guy talking to Alex the other day, our, our uh, the director of development, who said, I've never given a dime at Kensington. I looked at your thing, and one of your ideas was give 250 a month. He goes, that's only 3000 a year, which is a lot of money. But he thought, I didn't think $3,000 would do anything. And Alex is like, dude, if people did that, it would literally help us get to the goal. And the guy said, here's my credit card. Put it on there now. I can do that. Amazing. So... Any little thing that you hear God leading you to do, join in with us. Next week will be an epic weekend as we say, man, let's do this together. And we will be a part of God's unstoppable force called the church making a difference. No pressure. This is just you go before God and say, God, are you asking me to do something with this and, and obey whatever he says? And we're going to end the day. Perfect song called God, Jesus is a lion and a lamb. And there's a line in the song. It's perfect for this day's message because it says, who can stop the Lord Almighty? It's actually from 
uh, Jeremiah 27, where it's a rhetorical question. Can anything, can anybody stop the Lord God Almighty? No, nothing can stop God. Nothing can stop the unstoppable force of his church. So I'm inviting you to stand up and close this day saying, man, let's be a part of an army that's unstoppable. No one can stop the Lord Almighty.
just say, the Lord is a lion. That's the apostle. The Lord is a lamb. That's the pastor. I mean, the Lord's got every one of those gifts manifested through us as believers. So man, what, what an unstoppable church to be part of an army that's taken the kingdom of God to the world. Now, here's the deal. You're going to go, right? You're going to go now. Be the church out there. And next week, the title is God did not invite you to church. And you got like, what in the world does that mean? Come back and find out. But some of you need some pastoring right now, some shepherding. That's what our prayer team's up here for. Come on up front. Man, let them pray over you or care for you or help you in any way you want. Head out to the lobby. I'll see you out there in a minute, and we'll be back here next week. God bless you. Have a great day. See you.